Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Fourth Down Focus, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of Fourth Down University. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, including odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and next season's futures. Don't forget, baseball is back. Who's your pick to win the World Series? Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join by using our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive 50% off on your welcome bonus. Bet online, where the game starts. Episode 74 of the podcast welcomes Coach Chris Hughesby. Hughesby is the founder of Special Teams Football Academy and Phase 3 Kicking. Chris, welcome to the 4th Down Focus podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be on. I've been a fan of the podcast since it came out, so I've listened to every episode. So you do a great job with this. I'm excited to be on. See, I'm all nervous because uh, you are a fellow podcaster, and I actually listened to your show uh, first, you know, probably a year and a half, two years before I even thought about doing something like this. But I would say that you're you're a bit of a motivation for me to start this. So I, I do indirectly thank you for that as well. Um, I'm excited, man, just for people that, I think are well aware of who you are and, and obviously myself, um, we're in the same industry and we've been in the same industry for, I would say two decades. Mm-hmm. You're one of, you're one of the pioneers of this new generation of where I think kicking should be um, instructional evaluation, competition, all the above um, and promotion. You, you promote your athletes well, but I, I want you to start. Um, let's begin with the beginning of your football journey uh, at Armstrong high school. Can you um, give a brief history of how you found kicking and where it led you as an athlete and as a man? For sure. So way back in the day, um, I played soccer, just pretty much like most kickers and, and kicking coaches. And, and I always wanted to play football. And when I was younger, my parents didn't let me play football until I got to middle school. So, um, you know, it was that transition in middle school where I picked up football and, you know, played a few different positions and, you know, probably was the fallback kind of just the kicker by default because I had a soccer background. And then, you know, throughout high school, I was a, a quarterback and a linebacker and, and kicker. And, um, you know, that was kind of my thing throughout high school. And then, you know, decided to go play college football and, and went in as a kicker as well. But just I was a multi-sport athlete as well. So, you know, whatever sport I was in was my favorite sport at the time. I played basketball and baseball and did Olympic weightlifting for a few years. So it's uh, a fun little journey back in the day too. I I love, I did, obviously I do a lot of research on people I don't know that come on as guests and, you know, with me just meeting you, I had to look, look up a few things just to get a, a good background about you. And I saw a linebacker and I was like, man, you really don't see, you see a lot of former soccer player, right? You might see baseball, mm-hmm. uh, golf, but and pitchers, but, um, linebacker, that's incredible. I think that's great. Uh, we talk about versatility all the time on the show and 
Um, I know like junior and senior year, you, maybe if you're going to be playing division one football as a kicker, you probably have to hang up positions like that just for the, the increased chance that you're going to get hurt. But I think it's such a wonderful thing to do when you're young is to play as many positions on the football field as possible too, because you're going to be, you know, expected to make one or two critical tackles in open field in the kickoff situation. And I think some kids get exposed in the worst of times when they have no history of tackling anyone. Right. Um, So I appreciate that. And I really want to talk to you more off air about the soccer and, and how you help kids transition. Cause I, I agree with what you said. I think, 80, 90% of the kids that people see in the NFL and at a high level in college, they have a background in soccer and most of them didn't hang it up till 17, 18 years old. Um, and I love it, but it, it does. There's, there's things we have to differentiate between the two, um, especially the trajectory. You know, we're taught to keep it low in soccer, keep it on frame. And then all of a sudden you want us to, you want us to sky it, you know, like, so I think, I think that's one of the first things I start with. Uh, let's go to special teams, football Academy. you, you founded this um, in 2010. Can you share the STFA story and uh, its direction moving forward? Sure. So I'll bring it back to, to college here for a moment. So, you know, back back when I played, I'm a 2000 graduate, a millennial graduate, if you want to call it. And uh, just football recruitment really wasn't that big in Minnesota. You pretty much just got recruited by the, the, the schools in your state. And so Minnesota had one D1 school. Uh, the kicker from our rival school ended up going to the Gophers. And so you pretty much got recruited by the D2s and D3s. It wasn't like it is today, you know, and we're, we're more or less about the same age. So you probably understand. So uh, when I went to St. Thomas, they brought in four uh, specialists or, or four athletes that knew how to kick as well. So like the first week of camp when they're like, all right, kickers, you step up, let's see what we got. You know, four freshman kickers stepped up and I was like, wow, man, this is crazy. So um you know, just doing through the little trial process, you know, they identified at a strong leg and there was a shortage of punters on, on the team. I think there was only two at the time. So, and there was like six kickers. So they actually asked me to move to punter uh, my freshman year. And I was like, I, I've never punted, you know, I, I tried it twice, you know, back, back in my day, I went to three kicking camps my whole career, you know, and they were in the summer. Uh, one was run by Gary's honor way, way back in the day. It was called the river falls kicking camp. It was like the place to go to, back in the day up in the Midwest. But um, so I was very reluctant. I was like, I'm a kicker, you know, and a linebacker and all that stuff. So, um, but I ended up becoming really good at it. You know, there really wasn't any training, you know, personal private coaches back then, but I got real good at it by just kind of figuring it out. And uh, I had a real good fifth year. I did, I did four and a half years then. Um, At one point, I I think I was ranked like eighth in the nation in in punt average for at least division three football. And then then just pursue the NFL level. So uh, at that point, and you probably remember this, so this had been kind of middle 2000s, there weren't a lot of kicking and punting coaches either. You know, my my coach, Josh Clower, I had to drive five hours just to go see him. He lived in Wisconsin. And then I would have to call guys like Louis Aguiar and, and Michael Husted for mentorship. I'd have to send him a DVD to look at my film. And so it was, and I was kind of a real shy guy then as well. So I wasn't really outgoing like I should have been or could have been. And so like, I just felt like there wasn't a lot of like mentorship going on at that point, or it wasn't as big as it is now. And I always felt like, had I learned a few more tips in my punting? So I put, I pursued the NFL as a punter focused guy and 
kickoff was my second string. Um, and so I was just like, man, if I would have known this like a year ago, I think I would have opened up more doors, you know? So then, as you know, you know, there's these, these free agent tryout camps that you go to. And I was always in the middle of the pack. So if there was like 30 punters, I was like 10th, you know, so I was good, but not good enough, you know, to get in that like top five. I wasn't part of the 1% of the 1%, you know, so I worked real hard. And I think that that I had to figure out how to be elite. And uh, I think that's what kind of led me to coaching as well. But so then when the dream was over, um, I knew I wanted to coach. At one point, I wanted to be a head, you know, high school football coach and all that. But I thought my first foot in the door was to train kickers and punters and long snappers because that was my craft. That's what I did, you know, my livelihood. Um, So I started the academy um, back then with just the intent of just one, get my foot in the door with with coaching. And then two, I wanted to put specialists on the map because I knew how hard it was to get recruited outside of Minnesota. And then three, just like teach kids the things that I thought I learned late in my journey so that they had earlier success than I did. So those are some of my intentions with it. And, you know, now I've been doing it for about 12 years now, and it's kind of one of the most fulfilling things I do. It's hard, but it's like one of the most fulfilling things to, to, to be able to impact a kid's life through kicking. It's actually weird. I was going to include that in my notes for the show, but um, we graduated the same exact year. I'm also a 2000 graduate. Yeah. Uh, my birthday's, uh, coming up soon. I'm a June 1st. So I probably could have been a 2001. Uh, and knowing what we know now, I would have surely uh, been a 2001 just for another year of development. I mean, I went into yeah. University, University of Miami as a 17 year old, mm-hmm. you know, um, and there, there were guys in the team that were, I mean, Andre King was 28, you know, like yeah. uh, he, he was a man and I was almost becoming a man, you know? Uh, so yeah, you do. You learn a lot. Obviously, hindsight is 100%. I know it's very cliche to say that, but it's true. And I think it is our job. And I think uh, not just us, but people in our generation of coaching, especially kicking coaching, these kids have so many resources now and a, a lot of good information is out there. I think kids should be very careful. I think kids should definitely fact check. You know, there's 7,000 kicking LLCs in the country, right? I think that about 100 are phenomenal. So that's, that's, that's not a high percentage, right? So I think you should use discretion just like you would when you buy a car, mm-hmm. you know, go, go read the reviews, um, go see his resume. Who has he helped get to where you want to go? Yeah. Um, I don't think a lot of people can produce that information unless they're, they're telling something that's not entirely true. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there are a number of people and they're kind of regional, of course, right. Yeah. As they should be, but certain regions are more popular. That's why I think you're, an asset to the community. Cause I think that if there's a void in the market, it's, it's a couple States like Minnesota. I think uh, Maine is, is pretty voided. Vermont, mm-hmm. um, Pennsylvania, surprisingly. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of States that you have to go somewhere and it's usually a couple hours, even now, yeah. you know, um, I know 20 years ago, 25 years ago or so you had to drive five, sometimes fly three or four States, yeah. To, to go find the help needed. But thankfully that's becoming better. I, I do think that it's flooded. Yeah. And I think, I think people should be very careful that who, who they want to change their swing with, if you will. It's probably five specialist coaches in every state now We have five to 10 kicking coaches. So there's, there's a lot out there now. Without a doubt. Um, there's another project of yours. Uh, you're busy. Like I am in phase three kicking is, is newer. It interests me because, you know, it is new and I like your colors. I, I like the way you present it. 
Um, you establish some innovative ways to evaluate specialists. Uh, and I don't, I don't want to give away too much, but on your website, it says there is a specialist algorithm, you know, that you're working on. And I think you might be done with it, but everything takes refinement. I'm sure it's, it's always ongoing change. Um, there's a number of these eval camps, and we talk about this in the show a lot. There's a number in the United States, um, and many of them use the exact same way to generate these stars and these rankings that are super important to kids. Um, I'd like you to share more about how you're differentiating uh, phase three from this kicking market. Sure. So just to take a step back and scale the big picture, um, I've probably been involved with evaluation camps for 10 to 11 years. I've been a part of uh, kind of members of others and that aren't around anymore. And then I've been a part of ones that, that have been started and, and developed. And I've seen a lot, you know, um, grow, you know, being a beginning kicking coach back in the day, um, you know, there was a lot of sort of personal thought on, you know, how, how can I truly help a kid? You know, I really truly can't be the end all be all, op, you know, op, you know, option because there's guys that know more than me and know other stuff. And, have different connections in me. And, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of muck in our industry, but there's a lot of good. And so I've observed it over the years. I'm, I'm the type of person that observes a lot, kind of, I try to look, I, I grew up where my parents would say, try to understand the why or how that, or why that person thinks the way they do or the how I just grew up thinking like that. So I would, I observed a lot over the years, just why well, in this, in, in this situation, the kicking industry acted the way it did and why certain things happened and observed a lot and, and tried to look at what was needed and missing, you know, and try to enact change, try to try to be a positive influence in the, in the industry. And God, there's so many avenues we can go down, but um, phase three kicking was created um, last year. Um, it was created after a, a business breakup, but uh, it is what it is. And um, you know, a seasonal change, if you want to use that metaphor. Um, and it was a hard change, but it, it, it ended up being, uh, a, an opportunity and a blessing for me. So, um, basic kicking, we wanted, I wanted to make it different. You know, there's, there's a lot of established organizations out there that do a great job. And I was trying to find something that was a little different, you know, listen to a lot of college coaches to see what they liked and didn't like about our industry and try to find something that was, that was needed, um, or that, that would help. So, Face through kicking, um, it's a competition-based camp. So there's there's really no official standard, just sit and chart type of format. Um, there is some charting within the competitions that we run. Um, the camp format, I feel, is very well-rounded and it tests kids on basically all the different skill sets that you need as a specialist to, if you wanna play at the collegiate level that you should know, such as directional punting and rugby punting and Aussie punting and, kickoffs for hang time and kickoffs for uh, for distance and, and different things like that and try to address all those. And some of the competitions we came up with basically developed from just my own training where I had like a small group of guys and I was trying to figure out how to create a, a competitive environment on whatever we were trying to work on. And and so that, that was one element of it. Um, you know, uh, I've heard a lot that, that college coaches don't like, you know, camps that just punt down the middle and so our charting is directional punting. So, so when we chart, it's all, it's directional left and directional right. And, um, and when we do our field goal charts, it's, it's off a simulated hold. So it's not off sticks. Cause again, that's another sort of hot topic is should it be off sticks or not? So you obviously can't do a live snap hold kick for every single rep in a camp. It's would be too slow, but 
we have a simulation hold, so it's at least as live as we can make it. Um, uh, we talk, you mentioned the specialist algorithm. So I'm a big numbers guy. I grew up wanting to be a sports statistician. That was like one of the dream jobs I wanted to have. And so I was big into numbers. And um, in some of the past organizations I ran, I was the numbers guy for the where we were, we analyzed the data from the camps. And so um, I ended up hiring a statistician um, without giving too much of the sauce away. Uh, we studied two years of college game data. We looked at the field goal stats, kickoff stats, punt stats from D1, FBS, group of five, FCS, all the way down to division three. We went as far as we plot charted 800 game reps, uh, two reps from every single college team so that we could get a wide range of data. So we weren't just, you know, charting the Alabama kickers in looking at phenomenal leagues. Like we wanted to give, get a good clump of it. So we, we analyzed all the data. When we plot charted it, we tracked hang, game hang times and game datas for over 800 reps and found, found consistencies. Work backwards, we created an, an algorithm for every division to within like the range that, that we felt was, was a holistic idea of what you see at a power five and a group of five level. And so now uh, I feel real confident with what we've developed. And now um, we can we can replicate out and we can say, hey, you you kicked at a power, that was a power five kick. Hey, that was a division two kick. That was a power three, or sorry, a, a division three kick. So, you know, the goal here now is then when we check the kids at the camp, we can say, hey, you performed at an, you performed at an F FCS level today. You know, we know that camp and evaluation camps are a snapshot of your ability. So hopefully that's repeated, but we wanted to give kids a little bit more of a realistic answer to, to, to how they, how they did, you know, and um, we put a lot of, a lot of hours into this data analysis to try to do it the right way. And um, even, even going as far as ranking kids individually between field goals and kickoffs, because now it's starting to get so much specialized. It's um, it was getting hard, you know, with the, with the other platforms I was, I was involved with to differentiate how to rank kickers when some would be phenomenal field goal kickers, but they would lack in kickoff strength, you know, and vice versa. So just trying to do something different that would answer a lot of uh, needs that the, the college recruiting industry needed. Yeah. You covered a lot of your previous uh, topics today too. Let's just start with objectivity, you know, like um, giving someone an answer clearly and objectively with support, with evidence, right. Um, because opinions can only go so far. Um, opinions, they don't hold a lot of weight to an intelligent kid, you know, who wants to know the why for real. He can see right through that. I like that you dot your I's and cross your T's. Uh, I think that many people, I think the industry as a whole has gotten fat and lazy. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned it is impossible to have 400 kids on a football field and facilitate a, a competition event it's really that's really going to bring about the best on a scaling system right instead there's no live operation instead they are kicking off sticks um football isn't played off sticks so for me for me as a coach where my livelihood depends on the right decision and the next kicker coming in i'm not gonna ever want to see that kid be i'm not gonna evaluate him off sticks mm -hmm. i'll watch him i'll watch him warm up off sticks i'll get a good idea about how maybe his range, maybe his height off the line of scrimmage. There's a lot of things we can evaluate from it. However, yeah. I think that if we don't have a snapper, what you said that I think I want to repeat 10 more times, but I'll just say it once is simulate that snap hold. 
have someone and train someone. If it's your JV kicker, if it's your dad, if it's, I don't care who it is, anyone can learn to do this well, to, to simulate receiving a snap and then place placing it and even adjusting the laces after they get better at it, because it's never going to be perfect. Right. It never is. So I love what you're saying. And I, I, I think it's fascinating that you went above and beyond and actually found concrete data um, and spread it over all sorts of levels. Um, it's wonderful. I think it's great. I, I think that unique stands out. I always tell my kids that be different, be uncommon, because if you're like everybody else, you're going to blend in. Um, so I appreciate that. I want to um, continue with the social media where I have seen you forever. Again, it's just nice to talk to you finally, but I really enjoy what you do on there. Um, you're one of the few coaches in the industry who appear to, uh, you put your players first. It's very, very clear that you put your players first. Um, it's one reason I decided to host this show is to build networks with, with coaches who I think are like-minded in the smallest ways like that, you know, putting themselves second, putting the player first, really listening to the player, really learning their tendencies, making it a personal problem for you. I think you're doing these things. So I'd like you to share some thoughts on the kicking industry from a coach's perspective, um, which you are perhaps a little bit of good and bad. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of going back to a comment earlier, you know, I was probably a little bit more passive in my personality growing up. Like I learned how to, I really learned how to be comfortable speaking in front of people early on and in, in running coaching camps. That's like where I developed confidence in speaking to people. But um, I, I always struggled with bragging about myself, you know, and, and it was, I was so uncomfortable talking about myself. And so like, I kind of just realized like one of the best ways I could just talk about, you know, and then when you run a business, you, you have to market your business too. And so I just kind of realized like, well, my best way to market the business is just to share the success of my trainees and, and directly or, or directly, it's a reflection of how I coach them. So if they're having success on the field or whatever it is, you know, it's, you know, hopefully people see that it's a reflection of how we train and, you know, whether they do well at other kicking camps or they do well because they earned a player of the week honors or MVP. So for me, it's just easier to talk about how well the trainees do than to really talk about myself and, and, and some of those things. And I've learned to figure out how to be comfortable talking about my own personal stuff. But, uh, you know, ultimately it's, it's for the good of the kid, you know, and, and I mean, we could even go in a million directions there, but, you know, it'd be selfish of me to talk about myself and think I'm the, the one-stop shop, you know, for it all, because there's other people that, that can do a lot as well. And so, uh, it's definitely a team effort. I think if it's, if it's done the right way. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm learning that more and more. I think in my mid twenties, I'd have told you to kick rocks and you know, you're in my, you're in my industry and whatever, you know, I think we, as we get older, everyone, we, we start to realize that the important things and the things that aren't as important. And mm -hmm. I don't think that putting myself first is going to be very effective in what it is that I love to do. I love to coach. I think coaches need to realize that very quickly that sometimes they're going to pour their heart and soul into a young man. And that, mm -hmm. that man's going to, that young man's going to turn around and become a man and, and quickly forget where it all started. It, it happens to me not often, but often enough to where it hurts, but I've got to brush it off and move on. I don't want, I don't want the credit. However, however, when, when I feel like there was a relationship 
until I didn't, I wasn't needed anymore, then there really never was a relationship. And I'm allowed to get offended at that, you know, cause, yep. cause I truly do. I want to know this kid when he becomes a father himself. I want to know this kid when he has kids. Um, cause it's starting, I'm getting that old now where kids are starting families that yeah, they were kids. Right. So I, I appreciate that, man. And I just keep doing that because there's too many people in this industry that think that they are the end all be all for a kid's success. And I think it's a village. I think someone should go see you. Um, if, yeah. if, if they're in your neck of the woods, because something you say may resonate with them. It's, it's, and and it, I may have been saying the same principle, but it, the way you verbalized it may have been different and that, and that's all it takes sometimes. Right. So, so thank you for, for that. Um, I want to f- kind of talk about a whole nother topic, but we talk about it often as recruiting, you know, recruiting is, it's very competitive, especially now that there's so many good young kickers, punters, and snappers that are playing high school ball, yeah. this 20, this 23 class coach in the Southeast undoubtedly is, is my deepest class. I'm not saying that, that, the best kid ever is amongst the 23s, but I'm saying that there are so yeah. many kids that can play at a high level and they have another year of development. Yeah. Um, I want you to share your role in your specialist recruitment and perhaps a few good practices, the audience, parents, coaches, players can take away from this to help in their recruiting process. Yeah. So yeah, we could go we could go in a lot of directions here, but my, my biggest thing that I always tell the trainees that I, I train with, you know, if you're, if you're going to pay, if you're going to pay me to make you better for one, I'm going to push you as hard as I can, you know, whether or not you want to play college football or not, my standards are real high and I'm going to train you as if I'm preparing you to go off to play college football. So I tell that to parents, but I also tell them that, you know, I, I'm going to guide them along in the recruiting process as much as I can. You know, you can call me anytime, ask questions, you know, I'm sure you see it a lot too. Your trainees will send you screenshots like, hey, this coach just said this to me. What, how do I respond to this? What do I say? You know, and then obviously by trial and error over the years, you kind of learn what the right wording is and stuff like that. Um, so I took a lot of pride in the recruitment element of our trainees uh, for like five or six years. Probably 95% of our um, senior class had college opportunities, you know, whether they took them or not. So I took a lot of pride in that. And that was kind of a staple of what we would do is just tell everybody that we will be a part of your recruiting process. Um, and then over the years too, you know, just the, it takes a village mentality is, is, is huge, you know, um, you know, just being realistic about the situation and, and, you know, trying to tell kids, you know, it's okay to have a few irons in the fire to help you along the way. You know, some eye openers I remember back in the day is, you know, just thinking about, you know, if I, there's kids that wanted to go out to the East coast and play or West coast to play. And I, you know, my bread and butter was obviously the Midwest and in, in schools and in context that I had. And I was just like, man, is it it's kind of selfish of me to just think, tell them that I'm the only option because I clearly don't have contact to a school uh, in a Pac-12 area, you know? So I had email addresses, but I really didn't have that cell phone relationship with some schools. And so, you know, telling kids like, hey, you should, you know, if you, if you want that sort of connection of Pac-12 or East Coast, ACC, you should connect to some of these coaches, maybe get in front of them. So they see your ability and can hopefully help you out as well. You know, we, we know this industry is full of feather in the cap type of people and everybody wants to make claims on, on trainees, but like if it's done the right way and a guy can help open up the door for somebody else, you know, it, it, uh, it can be huge. You know, and I think my third year into this, um, I was talking with a, a Gophers coach who's now an SEC coach right now. Uh, 
I remember him telling me, you know, Chris, I, I listen to you and I listen to this other coach who runs a big platform. You're the only two opinions I listen to. And I was like a confidence boost for me because I was like, oh, really? Okay, so there's other big platforms you don't listen to. Okay, that's kind of cool. All right, well, thank you. You know, and that, that boosted my confidence that I was evaluating kids the, the right way and at least giving a, a, a thorough evaluation of their abilities. And so, um, again, kind of going back to recruiting in your question, you know, um, I, I tell kids, again, to try to find the right, the right sources. You know, I'm a very observational person, so I, I listen to what is said about everything going on in the industry. And then if a kid says, I'm thinking about going to this camp, you know, then I say, okay, well, if, if you're going to go to the camp, here's what you could expect. This may or may not happen, but this is what I've heard, you know, and, and if it benefits you, then it's great, you know, and, and all that type of stuff. So, um, you know, my biggest thing is I want to try to be the, I've heard the phrase cradle to the grave kind of coach, you know, where you start, start out with them and then you try to guide them as far as you can, you know, try to, I want to be that, that part in their life, but also just get them in the right direction to, find the right people that open up more doors for them that maybe I can't do myself. Because we're in such a big country and there's so many schools, right? There's, there's thousands of opportunities, right. To put, to play on Saturday. And I think that uh, the more or the wider you cast that net, if you will, right. The more people that you affiliate with or, or go see once and keep that relationship going, show them respect. Um, I think it's very important. I think your opportunity to play on Saturday increases exponentially. Um, I do find that some kids that isolate and put themselves on an island with one coach, and it's oftentimes it's oftentimes because the coach kind of mandates it. Um, I hope that coach helps them. Mm-hmm. I hope that kid plays on Saturday. I really do because yeah. I hate to think sometimes when that happens, the coach is hurting the player, and it should never be the case. Um, but. I wanted to, uh, on a lighter note, I, I was impressed. Like I said, I, I got to know you before yep. I got to know you right today. And I love this. You are a salutatorian in, of your high school. And what many of the kids may not know that yeah. I'm still in high school, that's the number two dude in the academic order. You know, there's a valedictorian and then, there, and then there's salutatorian. So grades are very important to me. And it, it relates to recruiting, of course. But yeah. um, in 21 years coaching, I've learned that talent, you know, it only takes a kid so far, you know, and the bottom, the bottom line is that core academic unweighted GPA and uh, test scores used to be a lot yeah. more important, but whatever, we'll see where that goes. But I want you to elaborate on the, the talent and how it's really irrelevant without the grades. Yeah. You know, grades are, Grades are huge. So, you know, obviously back in the day for me, grades were very important. Um, I just, I, in high school or just growing up, I had that mentality that I didn't want to have a reason for regret at all. I, I didn't want to have something that held me back because I just chose not to try hard enough in it. So grades are very important. Uh, so my, you know, I went to a large school. I think we had 450 in my class. And so, you know, salutatorian was, basically like, I don't know, a three, eight to a three, nine GPA or something like that. I don't know the range. So I, I wasn't necessarily second in my class, but yeah, I had the second highest honor. Um, and that helped a lot, you know, it opened up a lot of doors. I think I, you know, when I applied to colleges, I got into every college, but one, because I didn't take enough AP classes. It's not, you know, it was a high academic school, but you know, that taught me more about, okay, well, could I push myself a little bit more on AP classes, but it is what it is. You know, I, my route was to go to St. Thomas. And so, um, but yeah, obviously going, going to the, the kicking and recruiting thing, 
I, I've seen so many kids that had division one opportunities or abilities. And then once the grades came up, they lost those opportunities. And it's such a harder route to get back into division one football. If you just don't, you know, if you, if, if the grades aren't there. And so it's, you know, and then I go into like kind of dad coach mode and I'm like, okay, well, Hey, it's not over, but here's the path that you're probably gonna have to do, you know, and you just got to work a little extra harder and I'll be there and guide you when it's time for that. But yeah, grades are important. You know, um, college coaches, if they see two similar skill sets, you know, what other variables do they have that bring them up a little bit more, you know, and I think it's been said on your podcast before, but you know, kickers and punters and snappers, you're like expected to help carry the GPA of the college football team in a way, you know, and, and you can't be the reason that they need to not sleep at night. You know, maybe there's other athletes on the team. They gotta, they gotta, they gotta keep their eyes on, but kicks and punters and snappers, you're like expected to carry that weight also at the collegiate level academically too. You took the words out of my mouth. So why I learned, because we all have heard that at this point, I would imagine that, Oh, well, you know, these grades count, especially in college, but they do the, the funding to a, a college football team can be restricted because the athletic director has a budget, mm-hmm. you know, and, and if they don't have enough money and they need to find ways to, to work this out, they yeah. can, they can hand out penalties to schools or programs, I should say, where girls soccer may get an incentive because they got a three, seven collective GPA and then football is at a one nine. Well, guess what? That brings, that brings down the entire academic or athletic, I should say, departments cum gpa Mm -hmm. um and the college you know who ultimately funds the athletic programs all of them at that school has expectations too right so it's not just the ad being the bad guy or the coach being the bad guy it's really really on the kid all Mm -hmm. of them to do their job in the classroom because ultimately the school is paying for them to be there uh So it really isn't just to, because again, back to the why, had I been told that as a kid, that would make a lot more sense to me other than just being told you got to do your best. Grades are important. I wanted to hear, oh, shoot. So there's money tied to this from a university down to the athletic department. Holy moly. That does make sense. Right. Um, And I just wish we were more transparent with kids because, I mean, if they heard that, it would make a lot more sense. And it sounds like an opinion otherwise. Um, Chris, it, it means a lot to everyone at fourth down focus. You were able to join. Could you, uh, could you share a few ways that they could reach out to you if, if they want to, uh, get a hold of you? Yeah. So, um, I run special teams football Academy. So the, uh, the social media handle is special teams FB. And, you know, that's, that's more what we do for training and development in the Midwest. And if you have interest in, in face for kicking and what we do and want to explore and see if there's a camp near you, it's, uh, the social media handles are uh, phase number three kicking. So phase three kicking. Uh, my email and phone numbers plastered all over that stuff. So if you have questions about anything, you can reach out and I'd be happy to, you know, answer any questions that guys have about anything. And it was awesome getting to know you. I'm sure we'll, we'll link up moving forward, but, but thanks again, man. Uh, please uh, give us a five-star rating, a review, subscribe to the show, share it with a friend. If you have questions, suggestions for future topics for guests, or if you just have feedback for me, you can reach me in several ways. My website is fourthdownu.com, and on Instagram and Twitter, my handle is at 4 thdownu 4 thdownu 
Thanks again for joining us at Fourth Down Focus, presented by Bet Online. We'll see you next week with an exciting new guest. I hope 2022 is still treating each of you well, and remember in all things, give thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.